You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Maniacs and Godzilla Maniacs and everybody else who might be listening to this podcast. Uh, I have done something unprecedented for the Needless Things podcast, which is not saying much since we're only 24 episodes in. Uh, pretty much everything is still unprecedented at this point. But uh, I have gathered together the same panel from the last episode uh, where we discussed the history of Godzilla. That one went so well that once it was over, we hung around for a minute, and I was like, guys, do you want to come back after we've all seen the movie and just talk about the new movie? And, of course, everybody said yes, and uh, we're all back here tonight. We've all seen it at this point, and we all have opinions about it. Uh, myself, I've... I've I've got a couple that that I think will bring forth interesting discussion, but here's what I want to do first. Uh, my review of Naka's first Godzilla action figure is up on NeedlessThingsSite.com now. Uh, it's a great figure, but what's interesting is on the back of the package. Here is the description, like it's Godzilla's bio or 2014 Godzilla's bio. Possibly the last of an ancient species of giant amphibious creatures that evolved at a time when the surface of the Earth was over ten times more radioactive than it is today, Godzilla can convert his radiation stores into a violent, focused exhalation of atomic breath. Rarely seen but spoken of in ancient Pacific Island myths, Gojira was last spotted in 1954 when the U.S. Navy encountered and attempted to kill him with an atomic blast in the Pacific Ocean. Since then, the giant creature has been living in the deep ocean until a threat to his survival from an ancient foe forces him to reappear. Now, that's interesting, and that's something we're going to discuss because... I didn't get the sense that the Mutos, which if you don't know, the Mutos are the other monsters that Godzilla fights in the movie. Uh, I personally didn't get a sense that the Mutos were really any kind of threat to Godzilla. Uh, I got the sense, that as, as uh, Ken Watanabe, who, who, by the way, the subtitles of uh, this movie are Ken Watanabe looks thoughtful and, mm-hmm. and, and also <laughs> just Ford. Uh, what did you guys think? Did you, what would you think the relationship was between the Mutos and Godzilla? And you guys just, you know, uh, feel free to, to, to jump in when, when you have a thought. But uh, let's start with Johnny, actually, since you are the uh, Needless Things foremost Godzillaologist. Uh, Johnny, first, I guess, introduce yourself again. 
just in case somebody was crazy enough to not listen to the last fantastic episode of the Needless Things podcast. And uh, tell me about the Mutos. Well, if that, in fact, is the case, the first thing they should do is go back to the uh, Needless Things site right now and listen to that first episode. Yes, sir. But again, my name is Johnny Danger. I am a somewhat professional wrestler. I try to be professional and a full-time Godzilla fan. As as far as the Mutos, um, I think it's kind of interesting for one thing that, like you said, the toy mentions that they are an ancient threat from the past. So I kind of found it interesting that they had a EMP as their power, which shorts out all the electronic devices around them. If they're these creatures from the super ancient past, like Godzilla, why would they have an ability that only affects modern machinery? From an evolutionary standpoint, that makes no sense. My thought on that is that the EMP was really just kind of a, like what it does to electronics is a side effect of whatever it is they're emitting, whether it's communication or, or whatever they're doing. I, I think it's just that it happens to be an EMP. I don't think that's its purpose. Okay, also, they certainly were, didn't were, use it as an attack. They were also Except tied against us. They were tied heavily to radiation, also, and I always, I, I kind of got the feeling that that had something to do with the radiation aspect too. Yeah. So I, I didn't quite follow that completely. There, I mean, there, that's there are a few little gaps in this, and that was one of them. So, but going back to their <laughs> their history, how they link to Godzilla, I'm wondering. I think the first scene that takes place in 1999, where they find the. Uh, the skeleton of another one of Godzilla's species, it was at least implied, I think, that the Mutos killed him. Yeah, they said the word parasite. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So as far as the Mutos not being a threat, I'd have to disagree, because it looks like they did take out one of Godzilla's species, and Godzilla was in a little bit of trouble towards the end until they were distracted by something we might want to touch on later on. Well, and they definitely uh, they definitely were a threat to Godzilla, Sting that... He, uh, they didn't seem to really care. It's not like they were going after Godzilla from the beginning. All the Mutos wanted really was to get it on and make some baby Mutos. And that's an interesting choice. You know, they weren't like the typical Godzilla villain, like King Ghidorah or Gigan sent to destroy all of humanity. They just basically wanted to find a quiet place to fuck. Yeah. And who doesn't really? <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, it was, uh, it, but I've got to say, uh, the concept and design of the Mutos was really awesome because it managed to incorporate sort of the feel of some of the classic, uh, other Daikaiju into one character that they could kind of, well, not one character, two characters that they could kind of modernize and streamline and, and also have their own new thing. And I guess not you know, rely on the traditional Godzilla. Yeah, they pulled it off a lot better than I thought they would have. If all those is drawings or still pictures of the little toys they put out, they're executed a lot better on screen. Yeah, that toy we've got oh, is yeah. a little playset, uh, which, by the way, the playset's awesome, but it's a little playset from Bandai yeah. that is uh, it's Godzilla and, and the uh, Muto, which I guess so, and then a bunch of buildings and stuff that you can destroy. It's a lot of fun, but that Muto looks like crap. I was not excited when I first saw that design. No, no, the the, the design did look kind of generic, and I was I was worried about that. But they did look yeah. freaking awesome on the screen. And speaking of freaking awesome, um, <laughs> since you're chiming in, uh, Scott, why don't yes. you go ahead 
introduce yourself and give us one random thought about the movie. Um, I'm Scott. I'm from Shoot the Moon Comics. I draw comics and I sell cheesy framed art on my Facebook. So look me up. Um, random thought. Holy shit. <laughs> I, I went into this expecting an Avengers level movie and, you know, uh, spoiler with me, I hated the Avengers and I know that that loses me a lot of geek cred, but <laughs> so I went into this with low expectations anyway, but man, holy shit. It was, it was good. So I was impressed. That's, that's my random is holy shit. And of course, laughing, uh, in the background, we hear our final guest for the evening. Ladies and gentlemen, the inimitable Mr. Gary Mitchell. Gary, introduce yourself and give us your random thoughts. Thank you. Uh, my name is Gary Mitchell, and yes, Star Trek fans, it's my real name. I write for and podcast for RevolutionSF.com. We have a Facebook page. You can find me on the Twitters as well under my name, and it's Mitchell with one L. And I'm also the co-director with the wonderful Joe Crow of the American Sci-Fi Classics track at Dragon Con, where you will find Mr. Uh, Troublemaker uh, causing some, oddly enough, trouble yes. at this year's convention. <laughs> <laughs> as for my random thought for the movie, I enjoyed it, but not as much as I was hoping, because here's a snapshot of my mind through about 90% of the movie. Oh, yes, finally! Wait, no! Go back! <laughs> yes, finally! Yay! Wait, no, go back! <laughs> it was interesting because I, I am still processing, which, to me, one of the signs of a, a great movie is that I just keep thinking about it for a long time afterwards for whatever reason. Uh, wh whatever... You know, whether I'm wondering about the themes or, or, well, I don't ever wonder about hidden messages in movies. I don't give a crap about that. I want explosions. But, uh, you know, I, I just, if I'm thinking about things and wondering about the way the movie was done and, and the format of the movie, that's something that's engaged me. And I'm still figuring out, like, okay, was it a good plan for them to have human action and then the monsters fight, and as soon as, like, it looks like, oh, this is it, they're gonna go, what, what? They go back to humans, like, God, hugging or running God. through a city, yeah. or, and here's the conclusion I've come to on that, and we will certainly discuss this. Uh, I feel like it was the right call. Uh, one, a lot of the older Godzilla movies, now granted, they had a lot more conflict than this one did, monster on monster action, uh, than this one did. But a lot of those, they really tried to, and I say a lot because I have not seen every single one of them. I'm still Godzilla-thoning uh, and, and catching up. But they have, you know, the human interest angle. There's a lot of stuff going on with Earthlings and with aliens. And, and you know, it, it's, it's not foreign to the franchise to have human characters and to follow what they're doing during the, the monster rampage. Uh, yeah. And I think that Gareth Edwards used this very effectively. One, he was teasing us. He was totally just like stroking the shaft and then pulling away and then licking the tip a little <laughs> bit and then pulling away. And then, I mean, that's exactly what he was doing. And, 
we couldn't have sat down for two hours and watched Godzilla and the Mutos just beat each other up. It's unreasonable. Oh, I <laughs> No, it's unreasonable to think that that would have been a successful movie. And uh, I I think to establish the world that we're in, we needed kind of that that human look at things. But I will say this. I think they could have cut 20 minutes out of the movie, 20 minutes of the human stuff out, and it would have been much more punchy and effective. Uh, Scott, what's your thoughts on that? I love the tease. I mean, and I'm going to throw this out there, and I'm sure it's been talked about before. It, the pacing reminded me of the original movie. Not exactly, and you did get a little... I, I kept waiting for the fucking head over the hill scene. I was like, they're going to throw back. <laughs> they're going to do this, because that's what the pacing felt like to me. Um, not exactly like that, but... And I also like the fact that the human interaction was completely disposable in some... I mean, we might well say, like, this is spoiler. You guys go watch the fucking movie before you listen to this. Um, I like the fact that the humans are there to establish it in a, a world similar to ours, if not ours, but that everybody that worried about Brian Cranston chewing the whole movie up, that does not fucking happen at all. It certainly doesn't. In any way. <laughs> and... Oh, he gets cheered. Yeah. Up. Yes. Yeah. And I was like, "That's that's awesome. I'm glad that they they weren't afraid to 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 kill their their fucking big budget star." In well, it. and how cool is it of him to have done that? I mean, think about it's it's think about it's jobbing the Godzilla. Yeah. basically, you know? it totally is. So. He, put, he put well, it was not not even Godzilla. He was jobbing to the Muto. He was yeah, the Muto true, over, yeah. and I think. That's really admirable because there are a lot of people in Hollywood who would have said no way. Yeah. Yeah. And let's give the, the the script and the screenwriters, you know, the the credit for the stones to kill your ostensibly everybody going into expecting him to be the lead for the whole movie and killing him what maybe twenty minutes in. Yeah. You know, twenty thirty minutes at the most. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was. Uh, I think it was a very smart decision. Um. The only issue I really had with the human story and the way that they interacted is the stuff with uh, Ford's kid, which, if you don't know, here's the deal. Uh, Brian Cranston plays an engineer who works at a nuclear facility, and uh, he he's the first guy to kind of figure out something's wrong. And, uh, he's, his son and his wife live in Japan with him and the wife dies in the first, uh, Muto incident, which we don't find out exactly what it is till later, which I liked a lot. I liked it. It wasn't until he finally, like we discovered the mystery along with Brian Cranston. And I thought that was a really good move. Um, it was very interesting to sort of follow along and wonder what was happening. And in another movie that might've been frustrating, but in this one, I'll tell you, this one really scooped me up and took me along for the ride, which I think is why it was okay. Why it got away with doing so much of the human stuff, but the interaction between Brian Cranston's grown up son and whose name is uh, Ford 
and his own son, I, I didn't, his son felt like a prop. Yeah, they, they didn't, I kind of think, I, the impression I got was that Cranston was a more fleshed out character. And then once, it, once his story ended, they kind of, the, the Ford character became more of a cipher, kind of. I didn't feel like he was much of a, a he was somebody to experience everything through, I think. Yeah, he was generic military. Guy. Yeah. 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 So, very much. I mean, everything about him felt almost like that. Like, nothing was as solid as, as, and part of that is probably just that Cranston, well, when he's on screen, he's going to have more weight, period. Yeah. yeah. So, but that's that was my kind of feeling of, of it. Was like I kind of, he was somebody to experience the the action stuff through, and Cranston was somebody to experience the emotional aspect through. And you're right, you're right. Cranston's yeah. presence set up the the stakes and and the power in the beginning, and then it, it kind of turned into almost one of, a video game character. Fort Fort yeah. was just kind of the guy you play in the video game. Um, Gary, you've you. I think you've got a little more Godzilla experience than I do. How do you feel that this? You or actually, you and Johnny both. How do you guys feel that this the human factor of this movie stacked up against the other ones? My big issue was not enough silver jumpsuits. But uh, <laughs> what, what do you guys think? Well, I definitely agree that it, it it definitely felt like that with the older movies. I mean, that's always been one of my biggest things. I mean, there's a whole reason there's a trope of I'm just here for Godzilla um, on TV tropes of I'm here to see Godzilla kick ass. And so anytime – and so for a lot of people, and I don't know how uh, er, our, our illustrious Mr. Danger feels about this, but for me, it's like get back to Godzilla. <laughs> yep, pretty much. Yeah, so, but I appreciate it. I thought there was a good drama. I thought that, uh, the guy doing Ford did a decent enough job that I didn't, I didn't hate yeah. him, which is a good thing. Cause there's a lot of times where you watch some of the God's Muslim movies and you're like, would someone step on these people? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I liked it. The, the biggest concern for me, the big thing that was, uh, the, the Admiral, uh, Stens. The way they built up to his character, you know, as we're going through the bridge and we're hearing him talking, he's giving this great big speech, and and, he, and it's like, oh, okay, this has got to be somebody power, powerful. This has got to be something interesting. He turned around and it's and it's Stens. <laughs> Who the frick is Stens? <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Who is this guy? It's like, okay, maybe it's somebody from the, the old Godzilla movies. Maybe it's a, no, it's just some guy. <laughs> yeah, they did kind of make his reveal seem like it was a big deal, but <laughs> for what? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the big thing for me. And I'm literally I'm coming off like I just left the theater an hour and a half ago from watching the movie, so it's still very oh fresh beautiful. Yeah, I was supposed to see it again today, but I just had too much to take care of here in the Phantom Zone. I had a lot of business backed up, mm-hmm. so I ended up not doing it. But I, it it is very. I saw it Friday night, and I okay, I saw it uh, at IMAX in 3D. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. What about you guys? IMAX 3D. Okay. Uh, I'm a cheap ass. I went during matinee and I saw it on regular. So. Johnny, you've seen it twice, seen right? It. Yeah, I've seen it twice in IMAX 3D. And uh, real quick, if I can just weigh in on the human characters. Right yeah, there. yeah. So I've seen a lot of people complaining about both Ford and his wife being kind of wooden, which I would agree with to an extent. I think they could have cut about 10 minutes of his wife just looking up and reacting to things. <laughs> 
my main issue, and I haven't really seen anybody complain about this so far, is uh, Serizawa. He just seemed to be kind of like a parody of the Japanese scientists in every movie, like, Gojira will restore balance. Well, how do you know that? <laughs> it just seemed, yeah. kind of, it seemed kind of dry to me, and then I, I think that there's a lot of material they cut, because if you'll notice, the first two times they're talking about him, he calls him Gojira, then he just switches to Godzilla arbitrarily with no explanation given. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. I, I think there's going to end up being more to his character because it really was, and I don't remember where I first saw this, but it really was just Ken Watanabe looking pensive. Like, yeah. constantly. And and it was to the point where you're right. It did feel almost like a parody. But he got to deliver the best line of the whole fucking movie. Oh, yeah. Do you guys know what I'm talking yeah. about? Let yes. <laughs> and what was so great is that it was built so that that was the turning point. That was yeah. the point where... That's the Godzilla threshold. Yes, exactly. They were out of options, and it was time to just let the big guy take care of business. That was just so good, and that was the point where the movie became something else entirely. I think the thing... I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I did like the fact that he kind of subtly did get that anti-nuclear message in there with the whole, this is my father's watch that stopped yes. the Hiroshima bombings, yeah. imploring the Americans not to use a nuclear weapon. Mm-hmm. So, so and, I did like that they got that in there without being too preachy. Yeah, yeah. And I, that's why I thought that there was probably some um, some fleshing out that was lost in cutting or something, was because it felt like there was a theme of fathers and sons. Yeah, and yeah. Th- that was just kind of blunt. It felt like I think it maybe could have been more explained that like don't make the mistakes again. That we could have seen nature take care of nature. Kind of maybe that was his his through, you know. And they they it did feel kind of cut. So, and I'm sure there was a lot of <laughs> cut. It'll hopefully be on the Blu-ray when it comes out. Like I know uh, Akira Takarada from the original Godzilla series recorded a cameo that was cut, but they left Uh-oh. his name. Edits. Yeah, he, he was playing a Japanese customs officer for uh, when Ford's coming back to Hawaii from Japan. Yeah. Oh, that would have been uh, cool. Could, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you could definitely, uh, looking back at it, I can feel that there's, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that was cut, and I think it's that they tried to focus on the through line of Ford. Yeah. And yeah. they tried to, they cut a lot of extraneous, probably, storylines just to keep the movie, because I mean, well, we're at two hours, ten minutes. Yeah, right. and that probably wasn't a bad call. As much as I would have liked to see, and and it's funny say, you know, as much as we want Godzilla action, it's funny to say this. I would have liked to see at least Watanabe's character fleshed out a little bit more. But we had to move things along, and and yeah. uh, you know, there there was we we had to get down to business eventually. Um, yeah. And I loved his assistant too. I especially love her. Please don't do this. And I like the military. And I like the, the the admiral's response of, "Have you got a better idea?" Yeah, yeah. He was like, "I'm listening. If you've got a yeah. better idea, I'm and here." And that was another thing that I liked is that the military weren't. You know, this wasn't Doctor Who. The military weren't bad guys. They weren't getting hard ons over blowing shit up. They just that was the option. That was it. Yeah. I mean, if if she had had another plan, he would have gone with it. He was literally well, saying, "What else is there? What can we do?" 
I mean, you're dealing with a a movie that is notorious for being synonymous with the dropping of the atomic bombs on Japan. You can't have a, an American military in a movie like and a movie that ties to the original movie in so in a lot of ways. You can't have a bloodthirsty American military. I mean, that's just that's screwed up. But they, but they could have. I mean, they definitely could have. Oh they, yeah, they could have. But I mean, that would have military and kind of made them the villains of the movie. And I think they, that would have yeah. been kind of a bad call. Oh, that would have been gross. Yeah, well, it would have been. So. Yeah, they, been they very much could have thrown in a General Thunderbolt Ross type right. of military right. guy. In here. Yeah, and that just would have been lazy. As as yeah. the story as we got it was much more interesting with with everybody hoping for a better way. Um, all right, so it's time to get down to the serious business. Godzilla himself, you know, <sighs> we we saw pictures we saw toys uh we saw brief glimpses in the trailers but now we've seen the big guy in action we've seen him punching monsters in the face and we've seen holy fucking shit (laughs) the atomic breath of 2014 so fucking awesome Johnny yeah the second hit oh, go ahead Johnny. Johnny give us give us your rundown of this new Godzilla okay so I saw the sketches the pictures the toys what have you and I hated them all um, <laughs> he didn't look like I thought he should look he looked weak to me I hated the way his arms just kind of hung limply off his body I hated the fins I hated his face then I see him on screen when the camera pans slowly up from his feet to his face, and he hits that first roar, and I knew I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> he looks fucking amazing, of course, and they instantly cut away, and you don't get to see him fight. <laughs> first time they do that, it was actually kind of cute when it cuts to a TV newscast and the kid's sitting on the couch basically watching a Godzilla yeah, movie. Yeah. That was hysterical. And he's like, Mommy, dinosaur. Like, this is fucking cool. Uh, now that I've seen everything, the only problem I have with the, the design is I don't like his stubby little toes. But you don't see those too much. Um, shit, the roar is perfect. His face. He, he goes through the whole range of emotions in this movie. He's furious when he confronts the Mudos. Uh, there's a point towards the end where he collapses right in front of Ford, and they kind of lock eyes for a minute. And that's, that's the most emotional I've ever seen Godzilla look. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and the atomic breath—it was fucking fantastic. When he starts charging up, everybody knows what's coming, and the finisher he hits on the second Mudo—it looks like he's going to go for the King Kong <laughs> jaw ripper, and instead he shoots the breath right down the thing's throat and blows off its head. How can you yeah. not love that, Gary? What do you think about the new design? Ah, uh, I love him. The, uh, the 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 tease glimpses we, glimpses we got were great. The second he swam under the aircraft carrier, I was just get the size of the scope of him, and it was beautiful. And that sec- yeah, the atomic breath. The second his tail went up, and you yeah. saw the light going down the tail. It was like, oh god, here it comes, here it comes, here it comes. <laughs> yeah, when he when I mean, he I was like practically out of my seat when he nailed the male Muto with the tail and oh, just. Yes fucking crushed it yeah oh yes. and he has this look on his face like yeah Bitch. yeah <laughs> he totally did and we talked about this in the last episode uh we were all concerned about godzilla 
being a character rather than just a monster and and I think they nailed it as far as making him a character. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, especially that moment that he just mentioned where they lock eyes at the end because they both have this look on their face like, "Can you believe this crap we had to go through?" <laughs> <laughs> and it was very another really effective moment is uh, there was so much in this movie that was show instead of tell. And I respect that so much that this movie respected the audience enough to just do things rather than always have somebody saying, hey, well, we've done this. I guess we should do this. Or, hey, look, it's a big cave full of Muto eggs. Maybe we should blow it up. Yeah. You You see Ford look at those eggs and... It's not even really telegraphed, but you know what he's thinking. You know he's looking at that and thinking, I've got to do something about even, this. Even better than that, the way it's set up, you think it's a suicide mission. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just like if they had talked about it, that would have taken that completely out mm-hmm. of it. So, I mean, it, it's a very smartly written movie. So Yeah, and then when the Mama Muto comes in and sees the devastation – they did again a great moment of the of the of the of the oh, going, God, oh yeah. my babies my, I mean you can hear it the my babies yeah, yeah and it's then almost it's, crying yeah and then it sees Ford and it's like oh fuck <laughs> <laughs> yeah and that was it's like almost near the you that was beyond what I expected <laughs> also uh, I, I certainly didn't expect because we you know we knew by the time we went to see the movie we knew there were other monsters we didn't know what the nature of those other monsters was going to be. Uh, we didn't know how many or, you know, anything. Uh, we just knew there would be other monsters. And it far surpassed my expectations for, you know, not only Godzilla to be characterized so well, but for his foes to be characterized so well. And yeah. to have a story and to have feeling and emotion. And, I mean, the brilliance of this movie is that they didn't try to recreate anything. There were certainly nods, uh, definitely to the original Godzilla movie. Holy shit. Did you, did everybody catch the Mothra? The two. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. Are you talking about the Mothra not, in, in the terrarium? In the, yeah, the terrarium where the, where the, the caterpillar runs or thing runs over the tank. Oh yeah. 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 Well, no, but in, uh, in Brian Cranston's old house, once they finally make it back to the family's house in Japan, and the yeah. terrarium is there, and there's a cocoon. Yeah, in the terrarium. Yeah, and and it says Mafra on the bottom of oh, it. Oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah sweet. And not that only blew me that, away. So. Not only that, there's a scene I believe where they go to a Japanese classroom, and there's a chart showing the life cycle of a butterfly, and it's got Mothra's eye spots on the wings. Yes. Oh wow. Sweet. Yes, I saw that too. So. Um, my feelings on Godzilla was as long as he was a character, I didn't and didn't look like the piece of shit one from you know the movie we don't talk about. <laughs> I was fine. So he looked he looked he looked uh, dinosaurish enough for me. Um, the only critique I had was the the screech felt like it was covered up by the soundtrack um, a little bit. I would have liked to hear uh, a screech. In silence, right. But other than that, I, it was yeah. There was not a moment. Uh, I, I think 
this represents a new achievement in computer generated characters because there was not a moment with Godzilla or with the Mutos that took me out of the movie. Uh, or, no, with, there, or with the there, destruction. There were times where I was actually excited to watch things on a screen. And I'm telling you, I'm the most jaded person ever. My, you know, I talk about the Avengers and say they fixed a helicopter for 30 minutes. I can critique the hell out of anything. And I was excited when, when Godzilla was what blew the breath down the throat of the Muto. I was excited when they panned up Godzilla and I haven't felt that in a long time. So yeah, they did a good job of drawing people in. I felt so, or they drew me in anyway. So yeah, yeah that pan up Godzilla was just masterful. Oh, it was great. And what's interesting is, you know, again, going back to sort of the characterization, when they were fighting, they were fighting. It wasn't monst- It wasn't animalistic. It was, you know, Godzilla punched them. Yeah. And the Mudos were, the way that they fought was not just like insects fighting. Like, it was almost like watching a wrestling match. And it was just... They pulled it off, man. It didn't seem corny at all. It seemed like, well, of course that's what this giant monster is going to do. You know, you, you got the feeling of sentience from all of them, and that made the fight moves that were beyond something that we would see in the animal kingdom acceptable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was funny. I mean, even with the great CGI, they Godzilla looked like a guy in a suit at some points, and that's a compliment the way they had him lumbering around. He yeah. had weight to him. Yeah, he yeah. was three. He was like a three D, like a. I don't know how to say it. You're right. He had weight to him. Well, again, that was that was Andy Circus consulting on the motion capture uh, capture. Ah. So yeah. you know that you've got literally the best motion capture guy in the business uh, was there, you know, on this film, and you can tell when Godzilla falls down, it looks like you know when you see the old Godzilla movies. For for me. Every time that suit takes a fall, I'm like, how fucking tough is that suit? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in this one, when he falls down, it's a dude falling down. I mean, obviously, it's a gigantic 350-foot-tall dude, but it's a dude <laughs> falling down. He, he, You're like, oh, shit, this is going to have consequences. Mm-hmm. Well, every time that they the monsters fought in San Francisco, every move, they were hitting a building. Yeah, and you can yeah. see the, yeah. the concrete and the dust flying. Yeah, and, and I'm assuming it, they didn't use any models on anything. This was all CGI, right? I would think assume so. so. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the the buildings themselves crumbling were fucking spot on. I mean, yeah. yeah. Keep, keep going, Gary. I didn't mean to interrupt you like that. <laughs> no, but that's I'm good. just saying, like, yeah, they, I mean, they, it, the, the, the CGI was amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a real weight. There was a real impact that you know it wasn't you know just two guys you know it wasn't the the what happens with a lot of these where it felt like a you're watching a video game of a fighting game or something and there's just this background that's behind them and right, so they, right. they go back and forth they were interacting with the environment and it with them and that's a great point is like a video game like the recent godzilla video games if anybody's played them you know they give godzilla and the other monsters these unrealistic fast floaty moves but they resisted that temptation here, CGI or not. Godzilla still moves slowly with weight. Like when he hits the tail smash on the male Mudo, it wasn't some rapid fire thing. It was slow. It was powerful. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, that w- that was they really they took a fantastical thing and put it in a world with real physics. I'm not going to go so far as to say the real world, but a world with real physics. Yeah. Uh, now, when it finally happened, the atomic breath. The way, because I, if, if, correct me if I'm wrong, Johnny Danger, but in the old Godzilla movies, his fins lit up and he shot the atomic breath. But in this one, it started at his tail, moved up his tail, and as he expelled it out of his mouth, the luminescence traveled up his body, and then finally, when he ran out of atomic breath, his fins weren't lit up anymore. Yeah, normally just his whole spine would light up and flash, and then you know it would stay lit while he breathes it out. But you know this made sense. He's charging it up, and then the energy's gone. Right, and it looked fucking fantastic. And yeah. it looked like he breathed. He looked like he breathed it too. It didn't just look like it just shot out of his mouth. He right. he pushed it out. It, oh. And it's yeah. interesting. It looks like it actually had an effect on Godzilla because he passed out not long after using it for the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked that there was a charging period. Like that, that he, there was an effect on him. You know, you saw his whole body from the luminescence of his fins to his whole torso, you know, inflating and slowly expelling that breath. And uh-huh. then he didn't use it again for a long time. And, and it, again, we didn't have some scientists saying, oh, he used his atomic breath. He cannot use it again for a long time. <laughs> they told the story by showing us, like, that messed him up. He's got to wait a while and save it up for when he's going to blow that Mudo apart. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they made it yeah. matter again. Like, that's one complaint a lot of people had about the 90s Godzilla movies is the monsters would just stand there and shoot their beams at each other for 30 minutes over and over again. But right. now it matters again. He can only use it so often. It takes a lot of it out of his opponent, but it takes a lot out of him, too. It's smart. Which is kind yeah. of video game-ish also in a lot of ways. In a good way. Yeah, in a good way. I can't help compare it to a video game in a lot of ways because of the, the cipher character, I guess. Yeah, he, he was very much a first-person shooter character guy. Yeah. And, of course, I look at it from the pro wrestling standpoint. You know, it's a high-risk maneuver. There's a great risk, but there's a great reward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, just like with the tail smash, uh, you know, he went for the tail smash, but then that toppled the building on top of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that was the, everything had consequences in this movie, which was just, I, I, it was such a, a nice thing to see. Uh, I, I would say, and, and it's, it's time for everybody to discuss one sticking point. My sticking point, uh, after the movie was over, I told my wife, I said, I am not a military person or a hero of any kind, but if circumstances ever occur, where you are with our son and you have to wait for me to get back to you, do not send our son off with some person. You stay with him and get the fuck out of the city. Don't yes. wait for me. I'll find you. Yeah. I can't deal with you. Go away. <laughs> that, that to me, and I mean, there were, there were little things about the movie that I probably would have done differently, but there were lots of things that I probably would have fucked up entirely. So I have no business making movies, but that was the one point where I felt like 
there was a logical gap and it really bothered me. But then, you know, immediately after that, we got the big fight, so it didn't fucking matter. But, uh, um, Johnny, did you have like one sticking point, one moment that kind of just stuck with you a little bit that you were like, eh, that doesn't fly, but whatever. I think it would be the, the thing that didn't fly for me was the second time they cut away from a fight um, when, uh, God, what was her name? Whatever the mom's name was we were just talking about when she's running. <laughs> all the devastation, Godzilla and the uh, flying Muto come together. And as yes. soon as they lock up, a door shuts behind her and you can't see what's going on. And it's 30 more minutes before we get back to the fight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I said, the first time was cute. That one got a lot of groans, a lot of come on at, at the theater. You I, know, the, the payoff was worth it, but that was a choice I wouldn't have made. I, and you know what? You're right. That, that one got to me too. Like the first time it happened, I was like, okay, I see what you're doing. And you're <laughs> right. That was the one where it was like, all right, come the fuck on now. Really? Yep. I'm that ready to like, already. This is bullshit. That felt like 9-11 porn in a lot of ways, too. It was just like dusty clouds piling everywhere, and like you couldn't see anything anywhere. It's like they were like they were, you know, mimicking footage from 9-11 or something. It was weird. Well, I think and, though that any any disaster movie is going to have you know if it was if 9-11 hadn't happened, we wouldn't be saying that. But the movies yeah. would probably be exactly the same. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just the fact that 9-11 made all of these horrible disasters real. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I think it taught them how that stuff blows up, too, in right. a weird way. So, I mean, it, it, to make it more realistic, it's going to look like what we saw for real. So. Yeah. But, I mean, the after effects of that are are never going to go away. <laughs> Yeah, but that cloud, that cloud over the monsters during that that tease too was pissing me off too. So. <laughs> Although I would say his use of smoke in the movie was really well done. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just they were doing it. So. Yeah, just it happened too much. Yeah, Scott, yeah. what did you have an any more specific <sighs> sticking point for you? Was there was there like your moment? Oh where yeah, you were just like eh, what. The uh, the conveniences. There was too many things that were so convenient in the movie, and I know it's a movie, and you have to move it along. But the Muto hatches as soon as the father and son show up. Um, there's just there was a lot of that, and if the payoff hadn't been as good as it was at the end of the movie, I would have been a lot more pissed off at it. <laughs> so, um, but the, the the final fight was so worth it that that I could let some of that go away. And I do know that those are just plot contrivances. And, you know, I tell stories, too, and pacing that kind of stuff is hard. And it's really easy to go, well, we'll just have this happen when this happens. And it's like, well, I don't strive for complete realism. But you can't have a string of those either. So well, I, I like what Peter David said, the, the writer. He said, everyone is allowed one outrageous coincidence per story. <laughs> yes, yes. And there was You're a allowed. couple of them. So. Yeah. But I think this movie, like you said, uh, if you've got a great fucking movie, then you can get away with a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, I think this one... Like you said, the payoff was good enough, but overall, you know, there were contrivances. I, I was, uh, not only 
the fact that the Mudo hatched just when they happened to show up, but also when they were taking the uh, the nuclear bomb across the train tracks, which was oh, a yeah. fantastic, intense sequence. Yeah. Uh, when that flaming train comes out of the smoke. Yes. But the fact that the Mudo just happened to be hanging out there in the hills... Yeah, so coincidental. Was, I was like, really? But the, but like a second after I thought, really, I thought, I don't give a shit. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> that was awesome. That thing just crawled up over the mountain and blew up a train. And, you know, that shot kind of reminded me of the shot you were talking about earlier, the uh, Gojira shot where he comes from over the hill. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah good point. Very good point. Yeah. I, I chalked it up to the fact that these things, the Mutos, eat radiation and were hunting down all these different nuclear bombs and everything. Mm-hmm. I, I chalked it up to it was there because it was looking for the bomb. It was hungry. Sure. I'll take that. I'm down with that. <laughs> yeah. Sold. Uh, Gary, did you have, like, one moment that kind of took you out of it? Uh, mine's the same as... um. Um, sorry, excuse me. Scott? Mine's pretty much the same as, say, with Scott's. Uh, I was trying to breathe and swallow the same thing. It wasn't working. Uh, but the, you know, that, when the door shut, which again, I love the way they did that in the trailer, too, because it's different in the trailer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, that scene is in the trailer, but we just see Godzilla roaring, and in the movie, when the, we see the Muto hit, that for me, that was the point of like, would you stop teasing me already? Get back to <laughs> oh, the that's, fight! That's, jo- that's Johnny's flaw, not mine. Oh, answer. it was Johnny's? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I apologize. No, yeah, no, no. That, that, was the, that was the moment where I was like, as you said, just come on. Yeah, and it was that like that was the one where you felt like it was time, but it wasn't time, and it did bother me. But at the same time, it was kind of like I mean, he, he was Gareth Edwards was very much just playing with us the whole time. Yeah, I he like knows that. what we're there for, you know. <laughs> and the thing is, there are other creators that would think they knew what we were there for and then in the end we wouldn't have gotten it but you know what this ties back to my complaint if we had gotten fan service on top of the coincidences i would have i would have been bitching so the tease was perfect for that for me yes and that's the thing is they didn't you know you you can't just do what the vocal minority on the internet would want you to do. Yeah. And, and what's interesting is from everything that I've heard so far, I don't know, you know, everybody I've talked to love this movie. Yeah. Uh, there's some people who've had, you know, minor quibbles, like I think all of us have, but mm-hmm. overall, this created a satisfying experience. I must have really bitter friends. <laughs> oh, really? You've heard yes. some, you've heard some yeah. complaining. Um, my major kaiju friend, he was actually, um, he, he was pretty, I'll go ahead and say Sammy. Uh, he'll probably listen to this. Um, he had some, the, his were more minor quibbles. He, he wanted to see the atomic, uh, breath explode. He wanted more classic Godzilla kind of stuff, I guess. Right. But the, the one friend that I had that like tore it apart was basically saying it was an hour and a half of white people problems and it was. <laughs> <laughs> it was too too whiny white people-y. And I was like, you know, normally I'm with you on that kind of a, a complaint. But it, I don't know how. I mean, it drew me in. And I think a lot of it did have to do with Cranston. And he was upset that Cranston didn't last long in it. And I was like, I thought that was perfect. But Cranston's a white people. <laughs> yeah. 
I thought it was How does that work? Uh, you got me. So. <laughs> it's, it's funny you say that about the breath. That's one thing I kind of thought at first. The first time it hit, I kind of missed that shower of sparks you'd get from the yeah. Japanese Godzilla. But then they shut me up when they blew the fucking thing's head off a little later on. <laughs> yeah, that was so cool. Come on. <laughs> and not only, you know, not only did Godzilla blow its head off, but he hung on to it for a minute afterwards and was like, <laughs> he dropped the mic. Yep. He dropped the head. Yeah, and he then dropped it. God. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, and I also like the fact that they let us think for about a good two, three minutes that they killed Godzilla. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, that was and, so freaking effective that mm-hmm. because that's what Hollywood does now, man. I mean, they just mm-hmm. uh, it's it was it was almost like they were mocking the shitty movie that we won't talk about. That's mm-hmm. what it felt like to me that they were well, mocking I, that one. I thought they were doing a callback to the original Godzilla who dies at the end. I thought they were yeah, okay, that's, and then there's that's all I thought they were doing. That's what I felt from that too, especially from the pacing of the movie and everything. And when I thought Godzilla was dead, I was like, oh, wow, cool. So now they're going to have to figure out a, a way to bring – because this movie's going to – by the time I saw it Saturday, they were always saying it was a huge hit. Mm. Oh, yeah. Well, and that- so I knew there was going to be a sequel. So I was like, you know, the original Godzilla died, and they brought him back anyway. So that was just going to make it more like the original. Oh, but – of, of bringing Godzilla back, does anybody else think that maybe this was cut out or they might address it in the sequel that Godzilla actually absorbed the radiation from the bomb that went off and that's what brought him back? Ah, interesting. Just yeah. my thought. Why else would they have let the bomb go off? Sure, yeah, yeah. that didn't occur to me. That was because I was true. thinking I was thinking of that just from a creating drama perspective and not from an actual storytelling perspective. But that's you're right. That's very interesting. Yeah, yeah I and I also like the fact that that it wasn't the the typical the the Hollywood cliche of oh I've got a minute to spare. Ooh, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Like no, no, he didn't get it open. He right. didn't stop it. Well, and that's- also that he didn't die. Yeah. That he got rescued and that, you know, and, and that there wasn't like you had a couple of minutes of, oh, he's probably going to have to float out there and blow up with it for no good reason. And then like, as soon as you think that the helicopter's there picking him up and you're like, okay, cool. He doesn't have to die. And then you're like, oh shit. Well, I guess Godzilla's going to die now. And yeah. not only does Godzilla not die, Godzilla gets up, walks out of town, and has everybody cheering for him like he's the Statue of fucking Liberty at the end of Ghostbusters 2. He's the hero. He's the hero. It was beautiful. And that was the genius Mm -hmm. of it was there was no way Godzilla was going to be the villain of this movie. No. And they were so smart to, to work it that way. Yeah. I love the fact the way they did that with the, the news thing of King of the Monsters. Like, yes. Yeah, baby. Our savior of our city? <laughs> yeah. It's like, damn right. <laughs> and that is smart because I was one of the people, and I, I still do think there was not enough Godzilla in the movie, mm-hmm. but he, there really couldn't have been much more, at least early on, because what's he going to do if he's a hero? Just stand around and wait for the Mudos to show up? He can't be destroyed, <laughs> or he's not the good guy. Yeah. Sharpening his claws for half an hour. Yeah, so I think they handled that perfectly. He had to have a reason to show up, and he was definitely the fucking hero, and that's what I wanted. Yeah, they totally, they totally could have done a ten minute Rambo, like where he's 
gearing up before he fights, too. I mean, that would have been awesome. But yeah, now, now I want to get a Godzilla toy entire red bandana on his head. And you know, you know what's interesting, and and this is going to lead into our uh, our final segment before we give our our uh, ratings. What's interesting is there is a big ass Godzilla skeleton buried in the desert, and as we discussed last time. Mechagodzilla is built on a Godzilla skeleton. Ah, don't, oh, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> yes. So, uh, I will give you guys a minute to think about it. Uh, my pitch for the follow-up, and this is obviously, from all of us, this is going to be utter bullshit, and they're not going to do anything <laughs> that we talk about, but just as a fun exercise in speculation, uh, the movie did tremendously well. So I don't have numbers in front of me because I don't do research. <laughs> Come Record. on, I was I was seeing a hundred million already. Yeah, that's they're, fantastic. They're saying it's the best best opening weekend in in years. Well, in Japan, it hasn't even opened in Asia yet. Oh, so. holy shit! Well, then, yeah, then we're gonna see a sequel. Yeah, uh, and mine is gonna be based around the Godzilla skeleton uh being weaponized and the military this time around being the bad guys which in you know story format that makes sense you know this time the the first movie we had the military who just had to stop the destruction but the military complex is not going to see weapons of mass destruction like Godzilla and the Mutos without pursuing that and I think there's a good chance we'll see, you know, at least a touch of that in the next movie. Now, whether, you know, how it comes about, I don't know. Maybe Mothra shows up. And, and this is important to me that Mothra always be a good guy. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's a must. So maybe Mothra shows up and they pull the trigger on Project Mechagodzilla or whatever they might call it. And uh, that's a bad move. I don't know. But that's that's my half-assed little pitch idea for a follow-up movie. Uh, who's who's got an idea? Which one of you guys wants to throw out some crazy fucking shit? Oh, you know Johnny Danger's ready. Do it. <laughs> okay, this is my ultimate bullshit fanboy, never gonna happen circle jerk of a movie. That's what we like here. <laughs> okay, monsters start showing up all over the planet. We'll put uh, Rodan in China. We'll put. Anguirus in Russia. We'll throw Mothra in there somewhere. And King Kong comes to America. <laughs> Godzilla shows up to fight all these monsters at some point. You know, everybody's speculating, you know, why are they here? What's going on? Uh, Mothra's little twin priestesses show up somewhere towards the end. They say they're here for a reason. What's the reason? A giant golden object flies in from outer space. It's King Ghidorah here to fuck shit up. Oh. All of the Earth monsters know he's coming. They stop fighting and look to the sky. Credits roll. We got a big time part three coming. Oh. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> if anything, I would push that back to movie five. Okay. But that's fucking awesome. And you know what? With the tone of the movie that we just saw, I wouldn't doubt something like that could happen. Yeah. I mean, I've, you, already, I've already heard they want to kind of allegedly Gareth Edwards said he's a big fan of destroy all monsters and the monster island concept. So, you know, maybe we start introducing the monsters slowly over the next few movies. Godzilla defeats the monsters, 
allowing humanity to move them to Monster Island. And then kind of like in the Toho series, they kind of become de facto good guys when a, a bigger threat shows up. And then Scott gets the Avengers movie that he actually wants. <laughs> <laughs> Scott or My- Gary, have you guys got anything ready to fly? My sequel is very similar to yours, but I don't think the villain would be the military. Okay. I think we're we're going to see a this is modern Hollywood. <clears throat> we're going to see a industrialist. Oh. So which so they can riff on that theme and and which is really popular right now in this kind of movie anyway. Mm, yeah. So industrialist builds who owns the land. We we the 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 skeletons in South America, right? It was Panama. Philippines. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, I mean, come on. He sweeps in, spends a bunch of money, gets the locals to build a Mecha Godzilla. Um, Mothra shows up because there's going to be at least two monsters in the next one, also. Um, maybe even three because that's how they do these things now. Superhero <laughs> movies. I mean, superhero movies are not superhero movies without. 10 superheroes now or 10 villains or whatever. Yeah. So there's going to be at least Mothra shows up somehow to stop Mechagodzilla or something. And Godzilla has to come and help. And that's very much along the same lines as yours. This, it, mine means a lot of fleshing out, obviously. Well, so. they, I mean, they all do, but this is just, fun. <laughs> this is just fun riffing time. Yeah. And I think you've got a good point with it being some kind of industrialist or something. And, yeah. When you said that, it made me think about how much time did they spend branding the company that Brian Cranston worked for? Exactly. I can't exactly. remember what the name of it was, but I mean, they, they did slow shots of the corporate logo. They showed mm-hmm. the signs a bunch. I think you're onto something. Yeah. That's, that's, that was the vibe I would have got from. I think the military is always going to be a good guy in this world because, because of the hearkening back to the Hiroshima and stuff. Um, yeah. yeah. America, I mean, and then this is really honestly how a lot of people look at it is we did what we could do in World War II. Mm-hmm. And that's how they play the military in this movie. And um, that's how they're going to have to play the military in this world, I think. So I think especially the military is always going to be good, guys. Especially if they want assistance from the military. Yeah, Which yeah, good point. If you credits, they yeah. had a lot of assistance. Oh, yeah, yeah. How about you, Gary? What's your crazy-ass pitch? I like the idea of setting up for the third one of King Ghidorah, and here's what I would do is the second movie, Mecha Godzilla, evil industrialist. At the end of the movie, we, we the industrialist, we find out he's been working with somebody else, and he dies, and then the person he was working with kind of steps out of the shadows, and it's one of those crazy alien guys with the narrow ah, glass. Yes, and the silver <laughs> and jumpsuit. Just, yeah. Yes, and he's like, we are now setting, ready, sending the king. Oh. <laughs> Beautiful. And our last shot is that tease of him of, of the egg coming through space. Yeah, that would be nice. That would Speaking be very of teases, nice. Just for everybody out there listening to this, if you well, if you haven't seen the movie by now and you listen to this podcast, you're kind of fucked anyway. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing after the credits. Don't don't yeah, worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, go home. Yeah. <laughs> good good mention, yeah. Scott. Uh, that's oh, I forget. I, I felt it my duty that if I was going to talk about the movie that I should sit through the credits. So Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and I can't wait to get this on Blu-ray so you can watch those opening credits and uh, see everything they blacked out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking that the whole that was driving me crazy. I was like, yep. "Wait, what was it? Oh, bah. 
Did you catch any of it though? It was stuff like um, study the the fossils. I mean, it was like it was all military spec kind of stuff. It yeah. was really cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm I'm excited to see that stuff. Um, all right. Well, let's run down and give kind of final thoughts and a out of five. Uh, how many atomic blasts out of five atomic blasts? <laughs> Uh, would you give it, uh, let's start with Gary coming out of the movie. I was still frustrated from the teasing and I would have given it a three, but after talking with you guys, I've got to pop it up to a four. Cause yeah, it's like, okay. Yeah. I, I liked it more than I thought I did. <laughs> you helped me get over the, <laughs> that's what <laughs> the we fan do here. We, we are, we are nothing if not a bastion of positivity. Speaking of bastions of positivity, Scott Stripling, <laughs> what, what is your final thoughts and numeric score out of five? I hate superhero movies. I hate modern nerd culture sold to me as shallow bullshit. I gave this movie five out of five. I enjoyed it. I I had fun. I haven't had fun watching a movie in so long. The most fun I've had watching a movie is watching Rise of the Silver Surfer with my son and watching him. Yeah, yeah. And that's fun in its own way, but that movie was miserable. <laughs> and I, you know, I, I don't like those kind of movies anymore. I feel like I've grown past them in a lot of ways. And I was expecting one of those. And this movie is more than that. So I give it five out of five. I loved it. Johnny Danger. Okay. The main thing I wanted going into this movie was a Godzilla that looked and acted like Godzilla. We got that. I wanted a heroic Godzilla. We got that. My complaint is we had to get through a lot of stuff to get there. I don't think that this movie is going to stand up too well to repeat viewing. When I saw it the second time, I found myself getting bored. For that reason, I'm going to give it a three out of five, which does not stand to say it's a bad movie at all. I enjoyed it. I feel it has a rightful place in the official Godzilla series, and I'd put it in the top third of that series. Um, I'm thinking the sequel is going to write the things that this one did wrong. You're obviously going to see a lot more of Godzilla because there's not going to be a reason to hide him. So I'm really hopeful for the future. I think they did a good job. So, yeah, three out of five, good, but not great. Awesome. All right, and I'm going to follow that and say uh, I think this movie had so many challenges in front of it. It had to build a new world on the shoulders of one that a lot of people were very, very familiar with. Uh, but it also had to take into account that a lot of people... Guys, all right, I've got to stop right here and say that I've had Terror of Mechagodzilla on in the background while we've been recording this. <laughs> and Godzilla just headbutted another monster in the chest. Yeah, and it was so fucking cool. That's what happened to me last podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the exact movie too, I so. just had to mark out for a second yeah. on that. Um, okay, but seriously, this movie it was in the classic position of of having to appease a new audience and an old audience that that was very familiar with the subject matter, and I think it did a great job of it. I can't call it perfect because as we've discussed thoroughly here, there was a lot of like humans making facial expressions, <laughs> but I think it was necessary. I don't see a way around that. I think there could have been a tiny bit less of it though. Uh, 
and I didn't the feelings I was supposed to feel I didn't feel the humans were just kind of there and I got what was going on with them but the whole uh, Scott had a good point that this movie is very much about fathers and sons and it is but it only succeeded when it was about the son feeling for the father dynamic it didn't really like when we were talking about the youngest you know Ford's son I didn't feel anything there. I thought that family dynamic was was not thoroughly. It, it did it, feel like the, the son had more more emotion than the father. And, yeah, it just it just yeah. didn't quite yeah. quite work. Yeah, for and for him. all the time we spent with the humans, we didn't spend enough time with the son and the wife to care enough about them. Right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, who remembers the wife's name? No, we, were, no we couldn't idea. remember uh, her. nurse. Yeah, nurse. Yeah. Look, look out, nurse. <laughs> I love you, nurse. I'm back. Mom. Um, but I'm, I'm going to give it a four out of five, a solid four out of five. I'm very curious to see it again because my feeling is that now that I know how much we have to wait, I wonder if that's going to maybe let me enjoy it a little bit more because there was so much, all right, when is this shit going to happen? Mm-hmm. Now that I know, I don't know. We'll we'll find out. But I'm for – for now, I'm saying solid four out of five. Uh, I can't wait to see it again. But most of all, like you guys were talking about a minute ago, I can't wait for the Blu-ray because I yeah. think that's going to be a solid release. Unless, well, no, Legendary is good about Blu-rays. I'm not even going to. I'm not even going to do my usual talking shit about movie studios and double dipping because Legendary is going <laughs> to give us a good solid release on this thing. Uh that is it. Does anybody else have any final words? Go Godzilla. Yeah, I think that's a good place to close it, man. Thank you guys so much for coming on again and talking Godzilla. Uh, we will be doing a sequel to the history of Godzilla that we did in the last episode. Uh, it's probably going to be a few months from now, but it has to happen. We barely scratched the surface. Uh, Scott, go ahead and plug away. Okay, I am Scott from Shoot the Moon Comics. Um, I have the easiest way to see my work is on Tumblr or Facebook. Um, look up Shoot the Moon Comics on either one. You'll find me pretty easily. Um, I sell things through both. I'm working on a website. I have four pages in the new Atomic Elbow. I, an Arn Anderson story in the new one. Um, I'm working on a double nickels on a dime st- uh, story for a double nickels on a dime zine that'll be coming out. I don't know exactly when, but it'll be on my Facebook and everywhere else. Johnny Danger plug. You can find me on the old interwebs at a uh, facebook.com slash Johnny Danger. Uh, the Twitter handle is Johnny Danger three, three, zero. If you want to see some of my wrestling matches for some godforsaken reason, look up Godzilla 1982 on YouTube. Uh, to see me live, come to Platinum Championship Wrestling in Porterdale, Georgia, the first and third Saturday of every month. And uh, that's about it. Let's get dangerous. Yeah. Right. Gary, yes. plug away. You can find me on Twitter at, at Gary underscore Mitchell with one L. You can find me at RevolutionSF.com, the Facebook page, RevolutionSF.com, and at American Sci-Fi Classics with the illustrious Mr. Joe Crow. We look forward to seeing you at Dragon Con. Yes, definitely check out the Sci-Fi Classics track at Dragon Con. I will be there putting on uh, mystery panels, we'll say for right now. Yes. And uh, it's – but it's – 
there's no better fan track. It's so much fun working with these guys. I, I can't put them over enough. Uh, there's uh, not only being on the panels, but just sitting in and watching them. Uh, it's such a good time. Very interactive with the audience. Uh, it's a great time. And on that note, uh, dude, hold on. I gotta, I dude. gotta toot your own horn, man. Do it. You are, you're a featured guest this year at Dragon Con. Oh, yeah. You should be, you should be proud of this. Yeah, well, dude. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not technically a featured guest. I'm an, att- oh, okay. I'm an attending professional. There, there you go. Which, okay. which means essentially that I was able to put myself over enough for them to give you me have- a badge. You leveled up, dude. <laughs> yes, yes, so, I definitely leveled up. Thank you. And since so. you're not you're you're not going to toot your own horn, I'm going to toot it for you. I so. appreciate you can that. officially say you do this for a living. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, gosh, I wish that was true. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I didn't say it was a paying. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I am a professional. I don't behave like a professional, but I am one. <laughs> I think all of us are, are are struggling to make that work right now. So. If I could find a way to make this make money. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's the dream, though. Yeah. Well, that is the end of another Needless Things <laughs> podcast, and I think that's the most important thing to take away from all of this is uh, follow your dreams because Gareth Edwards made monsters, which I still am not a fan of, but... He made that thing on a laptop with some buddies of his, basically. And now he's directed Godzilla, which is one of the biggest movies ever. Uh, so keep plugging away at whatever you're plugging away at, man, because, you know, one day you could be directing, uh, you know, whatever it is you might want to do. You could be writing for one of the big boys or your own comic. You could be doing anything you want to do. Just keep trying. And there are going to be people who tell you, yeah, you're no good. You're not good at that. You're not good at this. You're never going to succeed. But if you're doing your own thing, you're good. Don't listen to people who tell you you're not. As long as you're doing something that, that you want to do and that you think you're good at and you know you're good at, you're going to get there. So keep it up. And on that corny note, thanks so much for listening. <laughs> Scott, Gary, Johnny Danger, thank you for coming in. And uh, we will talk to all of you guys again soon. Needless Things podcast available on iTunes, available on Stitcher, available on NeedlessThingsSite.com. I love you guys. Thank you. Thank you. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at ESONetwork.com.